Okay, who's ready? What's up? Yo, effective dating series number six. I'm doing this for the intro, so it looks cool. Da, 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 da. Ba, 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 ba. And today we are going to be talking about Shira. Do I trust that it's going to work out? And we're going to talk about that, what that means. And do I believe that I will find my soulmate? So these are, you know, it's two things that are really one topic, which I, I would call it trust. Okay. Um, and that's the first thing I want to talk about tonight. And the second thing would be also how do I build and maintain my trust throughout my dating experience? So these two things I hope to cover for the first part of the class. That is exciting. And I'm going to be speaking about thoughts. What are my thoughts telling me and should I listen to them? You know, we get noises in our head. Are those good noises or are they bad? Should I ignore them or should I listen to them? And I'm talking about thoughts that I get about the date that I'm dating. And uh, how do I know if my date is really, is for real or are they really acting and they're putting on a great show? So is my date acting or are they really for real? How would I know? So really the whole, the whole talk for tonight is in general, building an element of trust in general, right? It's trust in your way of thinking. It's trust in, in, um, in the way your date acts and, and that they're really like that when you're not around. They're not just doing this for you. And Shira, obviously, with trust as well. And just in general, the whole topic tonight is trust in general. So excited to start. Let's go. Yes, I'm ready. So I would start with, you know, there is an important, uh, I would say, step and a part of focused dating, um, which is involving us asking ourselves, do I really believe that this is going to work out for me? Do I really believe that I'm going to find my soulmate? Do I believe that I am going to find a good, lasting relationship? And then once I ask myself these questions... Um, I need to develop also a way to maintain this trust, this belief, if I think I believe it, or if I think that I don't believe it, I need to learn how to build this trust and to make sure that it's happening and will explain why I need to have this mindset. Um, and I'll touch on a few things that I mentioned already when I spoke about the cynic. So you'll hear some of the things that may be, you know, familiar from what I said in, in the past. Um, so I would say when people have a general sense of happiness and confidence that life, you know, often work out for the best, they radiate a certain uh, type of happiness, positivity. And I would say in Hebrew, we call it simcha, simchat chayim. This is not unrealistic happiness that I'm saying, oh, life is all good, dating is going to be all easy. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Of course, life is full of challenges and everyone is dealing with their own baggage and have their own things that they you know, have to deal with, even within their daily day life. Uh, but a person with simcha faces life's challenges with optimism. And, you know, they see a challenge and they look at it, how can I resolve it? And if I cannot, you know, they have this belief that, you know, something good will come out of it or 
something may come out of it, but they try to stay positive. This internal confidence, simcha, uh, is extremely important for the dating, uh, I would say the dating period of time, the dating journey uh, for every person. And I have three reasons why I think this is extremely important for all of us. So the first thing would be happiness and trust is attractive or are attractive. Two will be uh, it builds confidence. And three will be that it opens your, uh, I guess, heart, mind to finding your soulmate. And now I'm going to elaborate uh, about each one of them. So the first thing is happiness and trust are attractive. So a person who has simcha has a something, you know, attractive, attractiveness to them. Sometimes we meet people who definitely have this positive energy or charisma and they attract people to them. They can be average on appearance or their talents, but yet they have this internal beauty that really, you know, makes people want to be around them and want to, you know, people want to hang out uh, with them. Now, working on your happiness and trust in your dating, you know, um, stages improves your character and the attractiveness, your attractiveness, the way people will perceive you. Your positivity and good vibe will radiate to your surrounding and can affect even the people around you and the way they think of you. Uh, So that's really important. Now, I'll give you an example of, I think, even the opposite here, uh, of Danielle. She is 38, single, and she's had a lot of dating experience, as you can um, probably guess, throughout the years. And she is, at this point, she's 38, she's bitter, she's cynical. She doesn't have good attitude because of her bad experiences. She you know, she can, th- she can tell you a lot of things about what she thinks about guys and men in general. She judges a lot. You know, here and there she goes on dates and then she interprets every single thing. Uh, like, let's say he didn't th- open the door for me or he, didn't, or he said that and he didn't say it. Yet. You know, right away she judges and um, kind of like decides, oh, this one has a character flaws in this area and that area, which doesn't help much. Um, this attitude and bitterness, not only she, you know, affects her, but it affects the people that she dates and they can look at her and sense that bitterness and negativity. Mm. And it's not attractive. It's, it's the opposite. Um, I'll tell you a story that actually happened to, happened to me a few months ago. There was a big Kabbalistic rabbi that came here to Los Angeles and I went to see him. And I mentioned a few names. It's a Kabbalistic rabbi that you say, you tell him your name, and then he can, t- you know, he can tell you like different things of, uh, you know, what can you, you how can, you can work on yourself, or if there is something that you want to change, like how to do it. Um, and one of the very, very close people to me asked me, can you please mention my name to him? Like, I want to know what he's thinking. Mm. Um, this friend of mine, she uh, went through a divorce, and... It was a year before that, and she feels like she's stuck. She's not going anywhere. She's really unhappy. She's not sure where the pro- like how to move on. Um, so when I mentioned to the rabbi, 
her name, uh, he was thinking, and then he was telling me, listen, you have to tell her that she needs to work on her inner happiness. I was like, whoa, really? What do you mean? Like, can you tell me more? Anything specific? Um, so he said, look, you know, I understand she's been through a really horrific time with her past relationship, with her first marriage. It was so painful that it's really, really hard for her to come out of it. But if she really wants to move on in life, there is no other way. So either she needs professional help or she needs her team, like we mentioned before, to have that support. But she needs to make sure she's working on her inner self. Because if she's, not, if she's bitter and she comes across like that to guys even if she's attractive from the outside, it is not attractive to anyone. No one wants to be around such a person. You have to, and he told me like in Hebrew, and I mentioned that um, in the past, to flow, you need to learn how to be lighter, even within all the circumstances and all the bad experiences that we've had. Um, it's something that can help us to move on with life and hopefully attract mm -hmm. people and attract the right people. So that's something that I feel like, uh, you know, happiness and trust is definitely attractive and it's extremely important for the dating um, journey. And I've met many people and the older I meet people, uh, you know, they are older and a lot of the times I do hear the sense of bitterness and because of their experiences and we're going to talk mm -hmm. about that. And a lot of the times I do suggest to work on that first, even though, you know, you can't put it only on the other side of the coin you know it's the other side it's the guys it's this a lot of the times we need to do our own internal work to figure out how we deal with challenges in life and how we move on from it and then we just help ourselves to move on uh to the right relationships and attract people we will be more attractive um so that's definitely you know, uh, the first point that I wanted to mention. Now, I would say that a lot of the people in that, like I said, Danielle and a lot of the girls that I meet, which are usually older and they are cynical, um, they tend to date, you know, the beginning of their dating, I would say, journey. They date in, not, in a non-effective way, I would say. Um, and then what happens is, you have a bad experience after bad experience after bad experience. So it makes sense that over time you start believing that dating does, don't work and good people don't exist and the right person doesn't exist either. So what we're hoping to do with focus dating is to help people from the very beginning um, have positive dating experience and hopefully regain that trust in the dating process. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that... We hope that the dating process, once you do it right, shouldn't take too long, um, or at least not. Uh, it shouldn't be too negative and affect you and affect the people that you are dating. So that's first thing. The main point for me was the attractiveness. It does help towards that. Now the second thing is it builds confidence, and I'll elaborate on this more. Uh, trust and general sense of simcha gives you the confidence that you need to be able to uh, walk away from unhealthy relationships or relationships that are not working out with the understanding that the right and better person, better relationship will come up at the right time. Everything has the time. Now, what happens to some people that don't necessarily have that inner, 
you know, kind of a flow, happiness, trust that things will work out, they end up settling with the wrong person uh, or dating for a few years with the wrong person just because they don't believe the right person is out there. So they're willing to waste their time uh, with the wrong person and in the wrong relationship just because they don't have enough believing in themselves and what they deserve and what's out there. Um, so that's something that's really important when you have that sense of simcha, sense of confidence, the trust that you know um, the right person will come at the right time. You're not going to just settle for anyone just because, you know. Uh, you're going to make sure you're waiting for the right person. And if it's not the right person, you're going to just cut it off and say next for the next one. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, I would say, point number two. It helps, you know, the happiness and sense of trust help you believe in yourself. It helps you build your, your um, no, I mean, confidence, help you recognize uh, that you deserve to have a good relationship and that person is out there and exists. And it may take time, but you will find that person. So that's number two, the, that it builds confidence and help you internally. Now, number three, um, happiness and trust will help you, um, I would say, open your mind to finding your soulmate. So that's another thing. The third reason here that I'm mentioning has a spiritual, I would say, component, perspective to it. Um, and I, th I mentioned it last week a little bit about prayer, but this is like a, a different, um, I would say, niche to it. So simcha, happiness, uh, the, the, the idea of trust, emunah, that things will work out, uh, plays a big role in, you know, people's journey to find their soulmates. The same way we believe in the physical world that there are laws of, let's say, gravity or the speed of light. We have to understand that in the spiritual world, we also have laws of how things work. Um, and we know that one of these laws are when people are happy, happy people are most likely to have good things happen to them, and they're more likely to create good situations from the situation that they're in and overcome difficulties. So that's something that we know. Now, many people believe, and listen to this um, quote really carefully, because I think it can, it can really affect the way you think. Many people believe that happiness comes from receiving blessing, meaning you receive the blessing and then you're happy because you have the blessing. Now, what we're saying is a person who has an attitude of happiness, it's a state of mind, attracts the blessing and able to bring the blessings into their world. Um, and the same applies about the soulmate. If someone is positive, they could be praying, they can be doing whatever they, they're doing, they're implementing the right um, principles. Eventually, it's going to happen. They're going to attract that goodness um, into their life. We understand that when you're happy, you're basically creating those pipelines, and I mentioned that last week, into your life to attract those blessings to come to you. So it's not only after you get the blessing you're going to be happy. It's the other way around. It's a state of mind. You're first going to be happy, trust the process, believe in yourself, and then it's going to come. So that's really the Jewish understanding, I would say. Now, I can say that's something that came to my mind when I was preparing this, um, the story of Jacob and uh, Yosef. Mm -hmm. uh, Jacob is one of our forefathers. 
And Yosef one, was one of the 12 tribes. Now it says that eventually, I don't know if you know the story, but his brothers sold him uh, to be a slave. He ended up going to being in Egypt for many years, and then he became second in command. But during all those years, his father didn't know what's going on. I mean, he didn't know that he even exists. He thought he, he died. Um, and then a lot mm-hmm. of the commentary asks, um, how come... Jacob didn't know where he was. I mean, he was a prophet. He could talk to God, like he could actually ask, like, or hear, or have that spiritual connection and really know what's happening to his son. And the answer was that since he was in a state of mourning, he was sad, his prophecy was taken away from him for all those years. He wasn't happy. He it really affected the way he was communicating with Hashem, his connection with Hashem. So we see that in Judaism, the idea of simcha, the idea of that state of mind, is super important on a personal level as well, in our connection to our creator and creating those pipelines. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says that once he was reunited with his son and he came down to Egypt, he got his prophecy back. So it just shows us that really popped into my mind as I was preparing this. I'm like, wow, this is cool. I can actually uh, bring out some kind of source that's from the Torah uh, that tells us something about happiness, how important it is. Um, So that's pretty much, I would say, it can help you find your soulmate. It can help you open your mind, bring your blessings into your life. A lot of the times I can hear from people, they say they can look at a couple or look at someone and say, like, oh, my gosh, they're so lucky. Look at their relationship. And, you know, we understand that, you know what, most likely these people worked really, really hard on their relationship. It doesn't just come. Both of them had to work on their attitude, their happiness, and not only that, but maintaining a relationship to be to to be a successful relationship. It's constant work. It's not just like I worked when I was dating and now I'm good. I mean, the main work starts really when you start a relationship. And so, I would say that's just a side point, not necessarily, uh, you know, I would say directly tied into this, but. I felt like I needed to mention that because sometimes we can look at people and say, wow, they're lucky. No, they're not necessarily. I mean, they are lucky, very nice, but it's not by their luck that they have that relationship. It's their work, internal work and, and joint effort that they, uh, I would say, achieved uh, such a relationship and found such a person. Um, so that's that was, uh, I would say, part number one that I wanted to discuss. It's the happiness and trust. Please let me know. I would like to hear your thoughts. Anyone would like to add anything before mm-hmm. I move on to how to build and maintain the trust? Um, let me know. I'd love to hear you. Anything you would like to add, agree, disagree, anything that it reminded you of or anything? Okay, I have a question. Yeah. I don't, I'm like kind of coming up with it as I'm saying it. But, <laughs> okay. Um, like, if you want the person to see you as, like, happy at the beginning, when is it an okay time to start, you know, like, leaning on to them for, like, if you need some sort of, like, if something happens and you want a support system, re- reaching out to that person versus, like, your best friend? 
I think that, you know, the first few meetings with someone, it cannot happen anyway. I mean, you don't have that relationship with them to really feel that strong connection to start opening up to them. And I feel like it's too soon. At the beginning, you really have to work on that internally and radiate it to the outside. Now, eventually, obviously, when you're in a relationship with someone and it's all about, I, I wouldn't want to give a timeline to this because every relationship is different and we evaluate it based on, you know, the two people that are in the relationship. But I would say you have to trust your intuition to figure out, but it cannot be right at the beginning. Then it doesn't show a good sign of stability. I would also throw in that uh, it's not a contradiction. You know, I, agree, I agree that we have to wait a bit if you yeah. want to in, in any way have a deeper um, feeling of connection that you can rely on them and lean on them in some way for emotional support. But I don't think there's this, a contradiction in having internal happiness and being in pain at the same time. For instance, yeah. let's say you're dating somebody and after three dates, um, not you, somebody's dating somebody and after three dates, a family, a family member passes away. Of course. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. so I think that's a, that's a very sad situation and the date can easily have a deep conversation with you and show support, um, but it doesn't contradict. A sad situation doesn't contradict happiness. Happiness is an internal factor right. and, and, and that's like... Are you happy from within? Do you have anything to be joyful about? Are you grateful? You know, happiness is a multiple um, uh, 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 package, if you would say. So it's, it's the way and you it's, view the world. It's the way you view the world, exactly. You view so you can have a good outlook of life whilst being in pain or whilst being in a difficult situation, which can be dealt with. So when she was talking about trust and happiness, that's a deep, deep yeah. internal part of you, which is... Um, given off to the public outside it's radiated from you like she said it's radiated from you to the public and it's a nice vibe that's happening irrelevant of what your life situation is so these are two separate points happiness is an internal thing it's a way of looking at life that nothing can change that no matter what happens nothing can change that Right. No, I agree when it comes to something that, you know, big happens and someone needs support and they have a really good conversation with their date, it makes sense. But when it comes to other things, I would say of let's course. don't go to the extremes, but normal life things that happens, I don't know if it's always the right it's choice not. to go. Then that's why you have to have a team member, I think, you know, to evaluate a lot of things until you have that relationship, I think strong enough enough and open enough to be able to have that you know that kind of an interaction and I support agree. from the other side so i, agree. I guess it's it's um it depends it can also it can also is. dig you deep into like a, an emotional uh, aspect of the dating that you don't necessarily want to get into it can take you deep into this emotional story between you and and it can get in the way of your dating sometimes so it's I right. definitely agree. It's as much as you can, avoid that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's great. Thanks for asking, Molly. Anyone else would like to ask anything or add anything? It's good that we're talking about the notion of happiness in dating because it's important for uh, you know, self-fulfillment and uh, self-happiness. Uh, it's a topic that obviously and clearly transcends the scope of this class. And of course. I believe that it is best dealt by 
maybe not exclusively by, but it's something that's best dealt with with a therapist, right? People go to therapy to undo years of, you know, negative self-talk and insecurities. Sometimes it takes a long time. Um, and, you know, who knows? Some people work it out faster. Some people take a long time. I agree. I agree. Long and that's time. why I mentioned before, you know, sometimes there is a need for professional help. Sometimes it's really this, this support group, that mentor that this person was lacking or any kind of guidance. So every person will evaluate what they think they need. But I totally agree. It's a really important point. Um, okay, so let's, let's go to the next one um, on basically how to build and maintain the trust. Um, and I would say the first point that I have to say about this is that the focus dating, uh, I've spoken to quite a few uh, dating coaches and people that have been doing this work for over 40 years. And they say that the success rate of focused daters is pretty high. And they say the majority of the focused daters that are really focused on finding that lifelong, uh, you know, meaningful relationship and they don't lose their hope, they trust the, you know, the process, uh, they end up eventually finding <clears throat> their soulmate. And again, it may take a few years. Who knows? We don't know what the calculations from heaven for you exactly and what's good for you. But they do find the right person. They end up not wasting time with the wrong people. And hopefully, we hope that it doesn't take too long. But sooner or later, they do find the right person. And they say that you know those who are serious and are implementing those principles into their life and uh, their dating experiences, they say they see 95% uh, um, rate of success. That most of these people, at the end of the day, are married and happy. And they say that there are some, you know, the small percents that are, like we mentioned before, the cynic, or they, it becomes their reality that they don't believe anymore that they're going to find this person, so they don't attract that person. It could be that they even dated that person, the right person, but nothing happened because they were too negative and blocking from that person to get to know them, and so it didn't work. <clears throat> so that's unfortunate, but that's why we're hoping that people have the guidance and the support and the um, direction in order to make sure that things work out and we work on ourselves and we stay positive and it comes. You know, we need to believe in that. Now, the next step of how to do it is pretty obvious, but um, I would call it use your team. It's unrealistic for all of us to expect ourselves to build and maintain trust and relationships and be experts in things that we don't know sometimes on our own. We do need support. Now, we do need our team, our coach, our rabbi, Rebbiton, whoever it is, to be able to lean on when times are difficult. Dating can be difficult even if you are a focused dater. Focused dating doesn't always mean that life is easy and dating is easy. It's just we're hoping that that stage, that, that um, I would say amount of time would be as short as possible. And hopefully you come out with positive experiences, but it doesn't always work out in a way that it's always positive. Now, if you find, and I think that ties in a bit to what Omri said, if you do find that you have trouble, you have a challenge with the idea that you believe 
in yourself and in finding your soulmate, it is especially important for you to make sure you have a mentor, to make sure you have a coach or a professional person that can help you build this trust. This trust, someone who can listen to your doubts and fears and be able to analyze things with you and hopefully help you change your mindset. Um, And I would say sometimes from what I've seen, people do have the trust. They do trust things would work out, but and they have the right goal. But the process, like we said before, can be full of challenges and obstacles, which can can bring you down at some point during the dating experience. And that's why it's another reason why, why it's super important to have that support and have that team that will be able to support you and elevate you and help you rise up again and not fall into those kind of like hardships of uh, dating and keep believing in yourself. Um, And I get these calls uh, pretty randomly, but always happy to. And people can, you know, girls can call and say like, look, I know it's crazy, but I have this fear. Can I talk to you about this? I really need some encouragement. I really need to make some sense. I really need to hear your view or someone else's view on this besides myself because I'm going crazy and that's totally normal that shows that the person is really seeking out for uh, I would say direction and wanting to make sure that they are not only going by their emotions but also trying to make sense in the Mm -hmm. process and hoping to raise themselves up um, above their challenges So before I give you an exercise for this week, and I'm hoping to follow up on this exercise, um, and does anyone have any question about this specific, uh, you know, your team or how to, anything you want to add to that or a question? Yeah. um, Daniel here, obviously. Yeah. Um, I did have a question in regards to like dating strategically or even thoughtfully. If I'm just kind of like piggybacked on what Rabbi Jack said a couple of weeks ago, where if somebody has like a connection with somebody there, there are obviously some similarities, but they don't hit it off quite quickly. Like, how are you able to develop that connection with them, even when it's not like smooth sailing in the beginning, but there is obviously a lot in common. So did you want to, do you want to ask answer on that? Um, you know, there's the you need to make sure that there's also an emotional connection, not just an intelligent connection. So I want to, I want to get into that actually in the next topic, because, (laughs) because I think that sometimes everything's there. Like she's attractive or you're attractive to them or or everything's there. Everything makes sense. But then when you really look into it, there's just no emotional connection here. It's very cold. I don't feel the warmth of this connection. And that could actually happen, you know? So if, if Daniel, if you're asking, um, uh, how can I know? Sometimes, sometimes after giving it enough time, you know, after giving it enough chances and you've dated and dated, you could actually come to the realization if there's, that there's no emotional depth here between us. There's just this intellectual connection where she's attractive and I'm attractive to her, but there's no deeper thing going on. It doesn't develop. It doesn't develop. That can happen. That's actually a real problem that could happen. So um, I'm just making you aware that that actually is a real issue that could could come up, that 
you know, you really have a good looking person in front of you. Mm-hmm. Everything should make sense, but it doesn't. It's like going shopping and you try and buy new clothes and you try it on and everything makes sense. And you look in the mirror and you're like, I just, but I just don't want it. I don't know why, but I don't want it. But it looks great. I mean, I don't understand. It looks great. And you know, it looks great. The, the clothes looks great, but you put it on and you're just like, I, I, I don't know why. I, I just don't want it. So that can happen. And, um, and that's because there's no deeper connection to whatever it is. There's no deeper connection. So how do you develop that? That's the real question. And how do you know if it's, if it's really not? You know, so that's what I'm going to be speaking about in a minute. So perfect. Wow. Daniel, you really tapped into that's why I give it to you. It's Good. something that he's <laughs> going to be talking about it. And yeah. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like going, going at it again. Um, just like calling, kind of like following up to what you just said here. Like, how would you really know after a couple of dates? Like, I don't know. Like, how, like, where do you get to that point? Where it's like, okay, I get it. Maybe things have been a rough road. I've tried it out a couple of times, but maybe that that one extra time will be okay. Like, is there is that just something internal or or what? Yeah. So we'll speak about it. Um, yeah. yeah. We'll no, wait. Cool. Just wait till I get into my uh, topic because I have an answer to that. Right. Okay. Good. So then you'll <laughs> you'll cover this. Uh, You'll cover this point, and and I think you have it there. But part of this answer is to do with the team. Mm-hmm. That's why there is no one answer fits all. You have to understand all of you. I mean, we can talk about things generally, give suggestions, give tools, give guidance. But at the end of the day, when it comes to the specific case, the specific, I don't know. After three dates, I really need to know. You know, I need to make some sense. I'm not sure. That's why. You need then your team to be able to analyze and really go into details and decide where you're holding and how you can see it going from there. But anyway, I don't know. No, that's 100%. Team is Uh, a big part, obviously, of of this. Yeah. Okay, fine. So I'm I'm ready to give you an exercise. I hope you're ready for it. it, you know, it is an exercise that helped many people and I hope it would help some of you at least. Um, and I will follow up on that. So the first thing, you know, when you get a chance, I want you to take a pen, paper, or your phone, whatever, and write down, I mean, ask you, before you take your phone, ask yourself, it's exactly my title for this, you know, this part of the class. Do I trust that it's going to work out? Do I believe that I'm going to find my soulmate? Pretty simple question. I want you to ask yourself this question. The second thing I want you to write down your answer and why you feel this way. Okay, so you're going to write down whatever answer it is and why you feel this way. And the third thing will be if your answer is no or in between, you're not sure, you need to go back to your team. So at this point, you're going to have to assign someone um, to discuss these doubts and things why your answer is no or in between. Now, I'm saying I'm making myself available and Rabbi Jack will be for, you know, discussing things if you want during the week, going over it, making sure that you are hopefully in a good place. And if not, you know, we can discuss it. Now, if you said yes and you have a reason why you believe in it and everything, so that's great. You're already off to a good start. But even if you said no or in between, that's pretty normal to a lot of people. And it's just important to find out the reasoning now and working on it and making sure to speak it out with your uh, mentor, with your team. So this is what I would like to give you for this week. 
And um, hopefully, let's say, uh, I would say Sunday, I will um, reach out, send out an email, maybe in the same email that I'm going to be sending out the, the uh, one to submit questions and ask you to reach out to me. Or you don't have to wait for my email or Rabbi Jack's email. Just reach out if your answer was different and if you want to discuss it further. Um, so I'll, le- I'll leave it right here. And I'll let you go to your... Uh, okay, that was amazing, section. of course. Thank you, thank you. Uh, it made me happy <laughs> and feel this trust. I trust everyone in this uh, amazing group. So, um, okay, so we're going to go to the next point, which is, what are my thoughts telling me? I have good thoughts. I have bad thoughts. What are they telling me? Should I listen to them? Should I ignore them? This is a big question. And... Um, this is going to happen to everybody because we all think, even when we sleep. I know, I dream. But we all think when we sleep. So, uh, I mean, we think when we're awake for sure. And uh, I want to know what are my thoughts? Are, what are they telling me? So, so what are thoughts anyway? This is very important. Bear with me. What are thoughts coming? What controls my thoughts? Do you want to know? This is brought down in... Um, the book of Rabbi Desler, um, a, a great teacher, and he talks about our thoughts and what makes our thoughts, what builds our thoughts. And according to Jewish teaching, our desires is what makes our thoughts happen. So, for instance, I desire a new car. Well, once that desire comes in, what am I going to be thinking about for the rest of the day? Cars, yay. So if, I'm, if I desire a certain thing, Now, everyone here has desires and we all want things, mostly things that we don't have because that's what we're trained to think, that we need to always want more outside of what we already have. It's good to be ambitious, but never forget what you have already. But anyway, I am thinking of something that I don't have. And that thought is what's going to drive me the most. We mentioned this last week. If I'm buying a red car, I'm suddenly going to see how many red cars there are on the street. If I'm busy um, buying a stroller, I'll start, suddenly notice all the strollers on the street. No one else would have noticed it. Single people don't notice it. But somebody who's got a child coming along, he notices or she notices all the strollers on the streets. fascinating. Meaning to say that our thoughts are controlled by our desires. That's how ads work, by the way. Advertising basically makes you desire something. You know, it's like this beautiful frozen coat coming out of a, and you're like, wow, right? So then, and then you desire it. And once you desire it, it's in your mind. And once it's in your mind, you want it. And then it's like this constant thing. What you want is in your mind. So we are really a a mush of what we want. So our desires is what controls our thoughts. Now, if I desire, let's say, a successful career, then I'm going to be seeing that in my date because it's a thought that I want. And if I see that he's got that, that's going to make me feel good. That's going to make me feel happy in the person that I'm dating because that, that, that thing that I personally desire all the time is what I'm thinking about all the time. And that's what I'm going to look out in the other person. Okay, if I, I, I don't really care so much about shoes. For some reason, people have been caring a lot about shoes recently. They're even willing to put themselves at risk of going to prison 
for stealing some shoes. So I don't really care so much about shoes. I mean, I, I like them to look clean and nice. I don't really care that much about how my shoes look. So when I go on a date, I can finish the date and I can go home and my mum will say, so what shoes was she wearing? Did she wear nice shoes? I would say, I have no clue. No clue. Because shoes are not my interest. And you know what? Sorry, Shira. I don't remember any of the shoes that you wore when we were dating. None. I don't remember them. Because shoes is not my uh, fantasy. You know, it's not my thing. It's not my dream. So what I'm trying to say is the things that I look and see in my date are the things that I'm desiring the most. This is very important. You have to stay with me because this is the, this is the key. And those desires is what's going to be, the desires in me is what makes my thought. So, so I'm going through all these thoughts about the person that I'm dating and I need to know if these thoughts are good. Okay? So I need to also, I believe that we should write down our thoughts. So when we get home and you finished with your date and you're going through all these different thoughts about the person, I think it's really important to write them down on a paper. And we have to firstly, we have to distinguish between our emotions and our intellect. Right? Analyzing our thoughts, writing them down, analyzing them are really good for me in three different areas. One is to distinguish between our emotions and our intellect. For instance, an emotion is a feeling, right? When I feel something, I feel good around this person. Okay, so that's an emotional reason why you like them. I like the things that they say is an intellectual reason why you like them. So there's emotions and an intellect that's playing a big part in our dating. So when I'm going out with someone and I say, or she says, I feel really good with them. I feel safe with them. And you ask, okay, why? And I write this down on my paper. After I come home, I say to myself, wow, that felt great. So why did it feel great? Write down on the paper. Because it makes me feel safe. What's safe? Well, he's a successful businessman who's made it. I'm not there yet. I'm trying my hardest to get there. But he really made it in his career. And he's successful and he has all these people working for him. And I walk into his office and he's running the show there. That's so attractive to me. So that's why I like him. Okay, I, I feel great around him because he's successful in his career. What's that? It's an emotion. That's a feeling that I'm feeling. So that's an emotion that's ticking off. Okay, if I say, let's say this is Dave and Sarah. Da Sarah says, I love Dave because I feel so good after this date. My feelings are great. Why? Because he is so successful in his career, and I'm not there yet, and I really want that. That's my desire. So I, I love that feeling. So she ticks off that feeling, and she says, that's why. It's an emotion. Then she goes through the next thing. But there's something that's bothering me about that date as well. Like, I felt great, but there was also something bothering me. Do you know what it was? It was about his views on religion. So I write down... His views on religion was bothering me. He was a bit angry when it came to the rabbis or whatever. And I wrote that down. So that's an intellectual reason. That's an intellectual thought that's going in my head. I want um, to be connected. I want meaning. And I find that his intellectual, um, uh, his, his part of when it comes to religion and all these intellectual things, he's, 
he's not so with it as, I, as much as I am. So that is not an intellectual component. That's a, sorry, that's not an emotional component. That's an intellectual component of my thoughts. My thoughts. Now, I'm telling you this because after a week of, a week of dating, two weeks of dating, three weeks of dating, you can have a whole list of different things that you're going through, good thoughts and bad thoughts. I feel great with him. I don't like the way that he's thinking about religion. Uh, I don't like the fact that he's wasting time on gaming. That's probably an emotional aspect because, it, I, you know, wasting time is a feeling that I don't like to have. I don't like to feel wasted. I don't like the fact that he's wasting time on gaming. There's a, there's a whole list. You'll have a whole list of thoughts that went through your mind. And when you do that, when you, when you sit down and you look, right, and you say, okay, my main reason why I'm attracted to this person is because I desire to be successful in my career. And he's got that. That's my reason that I, I like him. My thought of I feel safe around him because he's successful in his career is what's really pushing me to be with this person. Okay? And if that's true, and that's the only reason, then maybe I can come to the conclusion that this person is not really for me. He's just making me feel safe emotionally, but intellectually there's nothing going on here, right? I don't feel anything's going on because emotionally he's filling my desire that I wish I had. I wish I was connect, uh, successful in my career the way he is. So that emotion's being filled. It, it makes me feel safe when I'm with him. But intellectually, there's so many differences here. We, we, don't, we don't fit in so many other ways. So... When I, when I come home, I have all these thoughts. Some of them are good, some of them bad. I have to also go through the other stages that I'm going to give you. But, you know, maybe when he's playing games and I find out that he's gaming, I, I should say to myself, well, maybe that's his way of, of relaxing after a hard day of work. I need to rethink. Okay, I don't like that, but that's my thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that he needs to do after a hard day of work. What I'm saying here is, that we need to write down all the points that I'm thinking and go home and write them down and ask myself, put them into two categories. Are they emotional things that are, are making me think about this person or are they intellectual? We need both in order to be connected to somebody. I need to feel emotionally connected with them. I need to feel something. And I can't just be intellectually connected to this person. I also need to feel something, which this, by the way, answers Daniel Moyal's question. I need to be able to feel an emotion that's kicking off, a feeling that's kicking off, but I also need to feel an intellectual uh, connection as well. So I need to feel both and I need to see which one is there. Am I just emotionally connected to this person? That's it. I just feel good because that's the desire that I'm lacking and that's why I like being around. Well, I can end up dating this guy for two years because he feels a desire that I, he feels a desire that I wish I had. You know, it's like, do you know what it's like? It's like being in college and you look up to somebody who's doing really well um, and, and is really good at sports, let's say, and you look up to them all the time. You're only looking up to them because of their success in sports. I mean, there's nothing... It could very well be the guy's a jerk, he's, he's horrible, he's rude. And, but for some reason, everyone gravitates to that person. Why? Because of his success in his, in his sports that everyone else wishes they could be at, as good as. So it, it, sometimes it's like this one factor 
that if I would write it down and numb it down and, and, and write it all down, and, and I'll say, you know, there's only one reason why I'm really attracted to him. It's really, the only reason why I'm attracted to this girl or guy is because of this one thing that I'm lacking. Well, that's not enough. I need to have more that going in. And it's, it's kind of connected to what we originally said when it comes to dating, that there's the internalities and the externalities of the person. But what I'm trying to also say is we have thoughts and we don't know what it is. So we need to go home and write those down and analyze them and, and give some of them time and just analyze those thoughts. Okay, so that's the very first thing. Distinguish between our emotions and the intellect. We need both. But just distinguish between the two and ask me what's driving my reason to be with this person. Is it just one emotion? That's it. Is it one intellectual thing that he has that really... What is that drive into altogether? It's really important to do this. And it can actually help you decide whether you should stay with this person or not. Okay, so that's the very first thing that we need to do. So we also need to have uh, an ability to listen to my thoughts because there's a lot of destructive thoughts as well. And when I'm dating, so this is the next point, I need to see what's reality and what's my interpretation. So my next point is seeing reality over an interpretation. Okay, so let's say you go on a date and the person that you're dating, he opens the door so nicely for you. I'm just giving you a basic example. So your interpretation is this guy is so kind. He is so loving. He is so nice. Actually, you don't know. You don't know anything. You just know that he opened the t- he's filling the normal formalities that it's required in our society and he's filling those up. It doesn't mean anything. So the reality is he opened the door for you. The interpretation was all these things, which doesn't necessarily mean it's true. It's not necessarily true. So um, what, what, when we go on a date and we have all these thoughts, he's cute, he's nice, he, or he wasn't, he was a bit rude here, he wasn't rude there, we have to sit down and write down what, what happened on this date. What really happened? Oh, he opened the door for me? Well, that's nothing. Okay, let's give you another example. Uh, like last week, I was talking about the guy who has a gun. So he has a gun. My interpretation is, I come home and he told me he has a gun. And my interpretation is, he is dangerous. That's it. I've come to the conclusion, this guy's dangerous. I'm nervous now. Well, wait, calm down your thoughts. Reality is, we don't know if he's dangerous. Maybe it's a sentimental thing. Maybe it's just a sentimental thing. He doesn't have any bullets. He doesn't, ha- he doesn't use it. We don't know any... We, a lot of times there's speculations, there's interpretations that are done and we do not know yet um, enough information and those could be our thoughts. So we have to always sit down as well and write down our thoughts and why they are coming to me. Is it a reality or is it an interpretation of the reality? That's something I need to do as well. Um, that now this is not like I'm putting the thoughts under the rug or I, I'm, I'm pushing my problems away with this person. I'm dating this person and I see some problems. I'm not pushing them away. But I, I have the basic principle of judging favorably. In Judaism, we have give benefit of the doubt. And I have to apply that principle in dating as well, which means that I'm dating someone. I can't make that immediate conclusion and that immediate speculation or interpretation that he's dangerous. I'll give you an example that I use 
in the talk that I give about um, um, giving benefit of the doubt, right? It's, it's a rainy day and you're standing outside by the bus stop and then you see your date as you're standing, but you just went on a date and you're standing in the rain and you see your date and they drive right past you and, and you start waving and, and they're coming closer and closer and you, you know for sure it's your date and you start waving and you're waving and not only is it raining and not only do you, you know, he doesn't just drive past you. There's a massive puddle right next to the bus stop and your date just drives into the puddle and soaks you even more. Like it can't get worse, right? So now you are so angry. That's it. I'm never going out with this guy. This is ridiculous. Uh, wait a second. We have to calm down. First of all, who said he saw you? Who said he saw you? You, you waved, but it, you know, it was raining. You were wearing a hoodie. Who said he saw you? You see how immediate. So then you'll tell me, no, 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 no. He saw me for sure because I waved to him and he waved back. So he, sh- he saw me for sure. So he ignored me and I am angry. I'm never dating this person. So then you can ask, wait a second. How do you know where he was going? Wait, I'm sure within a few hours, he'll text you and tell you what happened. How do you know? Maybe he's going to the hospital. Maybe something happened and he has to run, God forbid, to the hospital. How do you know? It can't be that he saw you wave to you and just drove off. But he went in the puddle. Maybe he didn't see the puddle. There's so many. Then you tell me, no, 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 no. He didn't only wave. He opened the window and um, and he, he, no, he opened the window, slowed down, and he said hi to me. And I know he wasn't going to the hospital. But then you could say, okay, maybe there were other people in the car that were with him. No, I saw there was no one else in the car. Maybe he was picking up his mom and he had no time. No, I know he wasn't picking up his mom. He was going out with his friends. He could have given me a ride. He was going anyway. Yeah, but maybe, maybe he had stuff you didn't see, but he had a whole bunch of delivery stuff because that's what he does. He does deliveries. So he had a ton of stuff all on the floor of his car and there was no way that you could sit in it because all of the stuff that he had to deliver was on the floor. There are so many possibilities and we need to give benefit of the doubt. I'm just trying to give you an example of how how easy it is for us to judge and how difficult um, and, and, and how possible. There's so many possibilities. Most likely... Uh, somebody in front of you is not trying to hurt you, especially if they're your date. So we've got to give benefit of the doubt when dating as well. And, and, and especially when dating, because we're only starting to learn who this person is. And we, we need to give things time. That doesn't mean we put things aside. We remember what happened, but we see if it's a repetitive behavior. For instance, let's say Dave and Sarah is going out and they say a time to come to meet seven o'clock, and he arrives late. Not only does he arrive late, he doesn't say sorry. He doesn't say anything. He just walks in 20 minutes late like a boss, rips off his tie, jacket. Yeah, what's up? Okay, so here I am. Sits down, not even sorry, nothing. Thinks he owns the world. Of course I'm late. He doesn't even say anything. So you think to yourself, okay, this is a red flag. But what I believe is that maybe we need to give it time. Maybe we have to have that aspect of judging favorably because if we do, over time, we will find that good. It could very well be that there was a specific reason um, why he, couldn't, he didn't make it on time. It could be you didn't know. Maybe you said 
And really, he understood. You said seven, but he understood seven thirty somehow. Maybe he understood a different time. He, you never know. So yeah, that's why we have to see if this is a repetitive behavior. You never put it under the rug, but we see if this is a repetitive behavior in this person before we make that conclusion. We are checking this person out, so we need to see if he's normal or not. But we also have to see if this is a repetitive behavior. This concept is a Jewish concept, which is that we have to give benefit of the doubt to only the people that we don't know if they're righteous or wicked. But if we know for sure somebody's wicked, for instance, they're coming into your backyard, you see a thief in your backyard, a random dude in your backyard, should you call the police or say, no, give benefit of the doubt. He got lost in my backyard, right? He got lost into my house. He walked into my house suddenly. The door was left up, but he walked in. This random dude is in my house. He's, give benefit of the doubt. No. Judaism is not stupid. You don't give benefit of the doubt to someone who's wicked. Actually, you do the opposite. You th do the opposite. He's in my yard. For sure, he's there to steal. So when someone's doing something wrong, you actually give the opposite of benefit of the doubt. You don't give, but you judge them unfavorably and say, for sure, they're in my backyard to steal because you have to look after your safety. So when somebody's... Okay, just let me, just let me confirm. But when somebody's doing something right or you don't know who they are yet, and most people should be considered that way, most people are not evil, then we have to judge them favorably, and this applies especially in dating. Yes. Uh, Rabbi, question. So where do, you, where do you draw the line between the person? This might be unrelated to dating, but I think it's related. So where do you draw the line? You think someone's a thief. You think someone's a liar. Like, how do you... How can you cross that threshold and say this person is actually about to burglarize my house or, hey, because it happened where like my friend walked into someone's front yard not knowing it was actually like not my friend's house. It was the neighbor next door. You know, like how do you draw the line before, quote unquote, calling the police or, you know, um, I, I think that if out. they're doing something wrong, if they're actually doing something wrong, then you should not give benefit of the doubt. You shouldn't give benefit of the doubt. So if someone just got lost in someone's yard. Like if he's he lost said. in your if he's lost in your backyard, I personally don't think you should give a benefit of the doubt to the point where you say, "Open your door and say, hey, how you doing?'" You should be very, very uh, cautious of this person. You should, in your mind, I'm not saying you should uh, take out your gun and kill him because you have the right to legally. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying. Your, your level of caution should be very high as opposed to saying, let's just let him in. Of course, he's mean, he means well, right? Your, your suspicion at that point should be much higher, um, specifically because he's doing something which is wrong. When someone's doing something wrong, you should suspect him and consider him as dangerous. Yeah, finding also someone in your backyard is a bit different than f someone that by mistake came to your front yard. <laughs> You know? Right, that's also different. <laughs> that's right, a bit we, different. We, obviously, we leave it to your judgment, but yeah. that's that's really the picture. Just one second. Yeah. Are there any questions? Are they working? Yeah. Are there any other questions? Thoughts? Okay. So um, there's another aspect which we need to see uh, when I have thoughts about this person in general, which is to see if 
the actions match the words of this person. So that's the third aspect when it comes to my thoughts. I feel great about him. Let's say I'm dating Dave and Sarah's dating and David says, hey, I love you. And they're on date two. And he starts saying, I love you. And all the emojis and everything else that comes with it. So um, uh, it could be that Sarah says to herself, wow, that felt good. And she goes home and she's like, whoa, right? That felt great. But... She also has to have the right interpretation. Yes, okay, he said these great words, but has he had any action yet? I mean, maybe he does like me, but there wasn't enough time to see any action. So we need to see more. Okay, that's the right reaction. Sorry if you are angry with me because you wish she would respond and say, I love you too, right? Any of you guys or girls. But, but at the end of the day, I think that you need also to assess your thoughts when you go home and ask yourself, is the, is the thought based on what he said or what he did matching the actions of this person? So I feel great about this person, but is it matching the actions of what he did? So he says he's going to do this and this and this for me, but is he actually proving in any way that he's in that direction? So that's another thought. I'll just go over it again. We all get thoughts in our mind. And we need to go home and write down our thoughts. And we need to think about what I'm thinking. Some of those thoughts are good. Some of those thoughts are bad. Some of those thoughts we should ignore. So we need to write those down. First, we need to do is distinguish between emotions and intellect. What's driving my connection to this person? My desire, what, what emotion is kicking off? What, is it an emotional connection or is it an intellectual connection? Sometimes I feel that intellectually I'm not connected at all and emotionally I am only. So that's one point. Distinguish between emotions and intellect. Um, the second point that we said is that when you go home, you should think about your thoughts and see the reality over an interpretation, meaning judge the person favorably. Don't come up with your major speculations, that could be a destructive thought. When you come home and you have all these thoughts, that he's terrible, da, 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 da. wait a second, you have not seen the person enough. Um, that's a destructive thought. Reality thought is what I saw and that's it, not my interpretation. And finally, is the person's actions matching their words? I feel this thought, I feel great, I, I, I have these great thoughts, but why am I getting them? I, it, I'm getting them because he said such nice things, but are his words matching uh, his actions in any way? If they do, then great. That's good news. But if not, I need more time. So that's uh, my, my uh, point about thoughts. I'm going to quickly go to the next point because we don't have much time. I don't want you to keep you here forever. Are you guys okay with doing another point here? Is my data acting, is he real or not? So how can I tell if my date is real? So here goes um, some points of how we could tell if our date is real. First of all, your date is acting, okay? When you date somebody, you act very nicely to them and they are acting to you. So you can never really fully know a person until you marry them, but we can do certain things to get to know this person a little bit better, okay? Rule number one, is speak to people and do some research. How? Well, Facebook. You know, you, could, you can see his mutual friends. Who's his mutual friend? Who are your mutual friends with this person? 
and um, ask a mutual friend, hey, I see that you went to the same school, you went to the same college, do you know anything about this person? Who is it? Right? Research. You can't date somebody without knowing any background or having any uh, background to know if this person is reliable or not using your team member. Okay. My point here is have some kind of research about the person that's okay to do some kind of research on the person that you're dating. Don't just rely on that person's act uh, when you are dating them. Not good enough. And this is, by the way, one of the dangers of infatuation type of dating where you just go to a bar, you're attracted to this person, they dance well, you dance well, and you end up getting close to them very, very quickly. This is one of the dangers is that you're not getting to know the person as a, from a, the sense of a background at all. You could be completely incompatible for each other, but you allow the date to start through infatuation. So that's, that's an example where infatuative type of dating can be dangerous. But that's another discussion. My main point here is use and do research through your team and do your research yourself if it's possible. Probably better through a team, but do research on the person you're dating. That's fine. It's good. It's okay. And if they don't like it, fine. It's a normal thing. Um, the second point is, what are they like with people of no interest? Okay, so for you, your date uh, is, a, is a person, right? That you, you're, a, you're dating that person. So you are an interest to that person. So they're going to act well for you because you're an interest for them. It's like somebody who has a business. So his client, his customer... He's going to act really nicely to his customer, but that's all a show. Or somebody who has only wealthy friends or cool friends on Facebook. So that shows me that they only have patience for people that are of their interest. That doesn't tell me that if they have, you know, I'll give you an example. Sometimes I give a class and or there's a Shabbat happening or something. This has happened to me a number of times. And there's a really awkward person sitting in the crowd totally off socially, maybe has some kind of um, disability, completely off sitting in the crowd. And they, every, whilst I'm speaking, every once in a while, they pop up a comment which is completely off the to topic, totally weird. And everyone's looking and making a face like, what is going on here? So I am being judged at that moment, how I react to that person. I know that the whole crowd is watching how I'm going to react to this person. I'm being judged when I'm speaking in a crowd and there's this awkward person making these random comments. And I know that if I'm acting well to the person that's uh, not necessarily of my interest, then everybody in the crowd is going to appreciate that more. Okay. So what I'm trying to say is that we, uh, that, in that circumstance, I'll be acting. But when it comes to the person I'm dating, one of the ways that I can see that they are good people is how are they with the waiter? How are they with the Uber driver? How do they talk of leaders of institutions that they grew up with? Their teachers, their peers, that, right? are they angry with them? How are, do, they, do they ever talk about older people? Do they talk to older people? Only people on their wavelength, right? There's certain people I know who only talk to you if you have something for them. They'll call you and after two years you've not spoken to them and you're like, hey, 
yeah, what's up? And he's talking to you for two minutes. And then eventually you're like, okay, so what do you want? Because for two years, you didn't call me. For sure, you want something. So there's certain people that live a lifestyle where they only talk to people if they want something from them. If they are cool for them. If they look good on them. But if they don't look good in any way, I will not talk to you. So I believe one of the great signs that your date is somebody who's not just acting is if they're kind to people that are not their style, that are not like them. If you, let's say, find out about somebody you're dating and you find out that they actually once in a while go to an old age home and make people in the old age home happy, you know you're in for a good date. That guy is a great guy. That girl's a great girl because they actually give time to people that are not of their interest. That's a great sign of a great person. Okay. Um, different people, right? The socially awkward people, people that are foreign. How do they react to those people? And the, these are real good signs uh, uh, to tell me if this is a person that's not only acting, but he's real because he's not only talking to somebody of interest. Okay, that's another thing. So point number one was speak to people and do research. Point number two was what are they like with people of no interest? To me, I'm an interest, but to people of no interest, they have no benefit from, are they nice to them as well? That's number two. Number three is when they are tested with a challenge, do they show, like Shira was talking about, trust and faith in cases of challenge? I'll give you an example. If he drops his phone and his screen cracks, right? What's most people going to do? What are they going to say? Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Moses. Right? Is that what they're going to say? No. <laughs> What they're going to say is throw some uh, curse words because they throw it even when there's nothing broken. So, of course, when something breaks, about 10 curse words are going to come out. So I believe that if you're dating someone and in a moment of challenge, for instance, their phone falls on the floor and the screen smashes and they don't curse, you know that that person, even when you're not around, is a great person. Okay, These are great signs that I'm not saying... Because cursing today has become the norm, not by me, and I'm still very hurt by it when people do it, but it's, not, it's come the norm in our society. Sometimes I tell people, you, you, you know what those words mean, right? And they're like, oh no, right? But anyway, but you know that it comes, it comes the norm now. So, so because it's the norm to curse, so it's not necessarily a, a proof that this person is for me or not for me. Just, I'm just saying, what are they like in a moment of challenge? That's a great test to tell me what they're going to be like even when I'm not around. The Talmud says that uh, a person shows his true colors when he's challenged in three areas. It's called kiso, koso, vekaaso. Does anyone know the translation? Kiso, does anyone know what kiss? Kiss? What's a kiss? A pocket. Yeah. Right? Pocket. A kiss is a pocket. So a kiso is his pocket. Koso is a kos. What's a kos? A cup. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and kaso is his. Does anyone know? Kas? Anger. Anger. Nice. So kiso, koso, the kaso. They all sound the same in Hebrew. Sounds like Spanish. Kiso, koso, kaso. So they're all the same in Hebrew. 
And they're, they're the same language for a reason because they all mean to cover up something. So kiso uh, means money. It means your pocket, but it means your money. Koso means your cup, but it means your alcohol when you're drinking. And I'll explain what that means. And kaaso means at moments of anger. And in these three moments, you show your true colors. You can't hide it. For instance, with alcohol, it says that when you have alcohol, alcohol comes in, all the secrets start coming out. You can't hide who you are when you're drunk. So, kiso is your money. When somebody's challenged with their money, that's when you see who that real person is. Okay, so these are ways to test and to know if your date is someone that you can rely on. Is he just acting or is he a really good guy or girl even when they're not on the date? So uh, we have some more time, a few more minutes, and then we'll finish. So um, money. Money is a sign of the person. And we want to know how this person is with money. So here goes some proofs and, and signs of who this person is even when they're not with me. What does he spend his money on? And that shows me what kind of interest that person has. How does he react if he's being overcharged, right? Because money is so important to him and it's important to everyone. It should be. But how does he react if he's being overcharged? Does he fight with the cab driver and make a huge fuss? Or at a certain point, you know, make some leeway and, and do it in the right way. He should fight for his money, but do it in the right way. You know, do it in a calm fashion. How is he reacting when it comes to money? How much does he spend? Does he have any savings? Yeah, if he's a major spender and he has no thought of saving, so that tells me certain things about his personality. doesn't mean that I should close off from him. I should speak it out, but it tells me what this person is like even when I'm not around him. And how do they react, especially, this is a, especially a point, how do they react when I talk to them about it? So you, you bring it up at some point and you say, you know, I... I really like everything you're doing, but I, I, I just have this issue that's really troubling me. Maybe I'm saying this wrong, but that's what you should be touching on. There's an issue that's troubling me, and it's, it's about money. It's about how money is spent and how you, how you uh, spend that money. So obviously you should say it in a different way, but something on these lines. And, and, and how does he react when you have that conversation? Because at some point, if you notice that he's just flashing all his money and he's not storing any of it, that tells me something about it. Okay, so that's one is money. Alcohol isn't just alcohol. Obviously, if he gets drunk and he says things which are completely out of place, so it kind of tells you a picture of the person, but that's not just about alcohol. Alcohol is also a way to escape reality. When do we go drink, right? People think of drinking. It's a way to get out of reality. I'm finished with my job. Let me take a drink and have it, right? So it's our way of escaping reality. So that also tells me about the person. So what is he doing or she doing to escape their reality? What's their hobby after they work? Is it a good hobby? Is it balanced? Are they overly addicted to it, right? How does he behave or she behave when talking about or, or discussing the hobby? Are they overly hyped up about it? Some people... I mean, if, if let's say you're dating somebody and they've tr they, they're just constantly traveling, traveling, and they're not really taking their life seriously. To me, I believe traveling is a beautiful thing, but if they're not trying to get their life together and all they're talking about is traveling, 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 
then um, to me, that's a bad sign, right? They're overly addicted to their hobby and they're escaping the reality of life, even when it comes to traveling. So alcohol can also be translated when you're tired. How do they react to tiredness, to moments when they're tired? Because when marriage, it's going to have many moments of tiredness and you want to see how they... So during times of fatigue, what are they like? That's another sign. And um, anger is another thing which we need to assess. And, and obviously that tells me how this person is even when I'm not dating. So anger comes when a person has a plan of something to go in a certain way and it doesn't go the way you want it to. For instance, you book a, a, a restaurant seat, you book a, t- a seat at the restaurant, you get to the restaurant and then, and then they tell you, sorry, you're not on the list. So then you see that the guy starts to get impatient. Oh my goodness, I booked it, I promise you. And there's like this serious overreaction of impatience. So that's a sign of, of, of anger because something's not going the way you wanted it. You notice the way he speaks to his mother is very rude, or right? So at some point you've got to say something. Um, and you could say, you know, I've noticed how you've been a little bit impatient recently. So here's the point. If he admits that, you know, I, ha- you know, I have had issues of anger in the past and I, I, I'm, I, I am not the same person as I used to be. I am improving every day. I, know, I, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm much more calm than, you, than I ever used to be. And it's an amazing thing. I'm always working on it. It's something which I'm working on. Then I believe that that's a person that you can actually continue with. But if he's completely denying or completely defensive, what, and he gets very impatient when you talk about it to, to him, so that's already a bad sign that his anger is real. You know, he's been angry with his mom on the phone with you. He's been angry at the restaurant because it was late. So that's a real sign. So I'll just finish off with this last point that sometimes people tell me, okay, listen, I've been dating this guy. I've been dating this girl and I've seen everything. They're amazing. Everything is amazing, but I still don't know what they're like when I'm not around. I still don't know. They're great with money. They don't drink. They, they don't, they're not overly obsessed with their hobbies. They don't show any signs of anger. They're acting so well to me. I think he's a great actor. So sometimes people say that to me. And um, then there's this final, final thing that you can do to really see how this person is when not with you. And that is to actually run a test. Now, I don't think you should always do this. But at a certain point, if you're really unsure after you've, you've dated them for a long time and you're really unsure if this person is acting or they're very good at acting and um, you're really not sure who this person is when they're not dating you, you can actually try testing your date. And I'll give you an example. You can book a, a, a dinner, very small tests, but you could do this and, and, and it can really tell you how this person is. So let's say you book a dinner for uh, a meal at 8 p.m. and you tell him, uh, you know, you tell him we're going to have dinner at 8 p.m. It's on the day that he works and he comes to the restaurant. He's there 8 p.m. He runs in. He's just about made it on time. He runs in and then you get to the lady and really you book the dinner at 8.30. But you told him to come at 8 and you end up coming and showing up at the restaurant at 8 uh, instead of showing up at 8.30 and 
Um, you told him to come at eight, but you booked it at eight thirty. And you go to the the person at the desk and you say, "Okay, can we have our table?" She says, what do, "What's your name?" My name is David. Well, I'm sorry, but you're you're only up here for eight thirty. You have another half an hour. And uh, when you do that, you see how the person reacts in front of you. So I believe this is not something you should do yeah. <laughs> very very uh, quickly and very often. Probably not. And yeah. pro pro most probably very rarely. Yeah. But I'm only talking in a case where after a long time, you've really seen, most times you'll be able to know who this person really is based on the things I've said so far. But if you really, really feel like you need to know who this person is when, yeah. when they're in a place of challenge, I don't believe you should put them in a real challenge, like smash your car and say, hey, what's going on? But I'm just... I'm just giving you very small examples and seeing how they react into those difficult situations that come up, minor situations. So these are signs to know in general. And of course, like we said, if you have a team, if you have an ability to do research before with your friend um, or, or to see if they have mutual friends, that's going to help. So again, is my dating acting or not? Is my date acting or not? We have to do some things in order to make sure. For sure, your date is acting. And here are a list of ways that you can find out what they're like when they're not with you. One is speak to people and do some research. Two is what are they like with people of no interest? Uh, three is when they are tested with a challenge, what are they like? And the three different challenges are money, alcohol or escaping reality, a hobby or anger. Okay, in these three areas, what are they like at moments when they are meant to be angry? For instance, a plan doesn't go the way that they wanted. So, and if all of this doesn't tell you and you're still unsure, you can test your date at some point in a very kind and subtle way to see what they are like when uh, you are dating them, uh, when you're not dating them. So are there any thoughts or ideas about this point? Do you not like the idea of testing? Are you, does this make you angry? Um, like I said, it's something which you should rarely do. But are there any thoughts, ideas, or anything else you want to throw in before we finish for the night? Yes. I have a question. Oh. Who? Who was it? I, I couldn't tell who, who said it. Natasha's raising her hand. She can ask it. I already asked a question. Well, you guys decide. Okay. Um, okay. I was just going to say... If, um, um, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. All the points you gave us, um, were like really good to observe about, about people, like how they react around other people. But right about right now, if you're meet, if you're trying mm -hmm. to meet people like during Corona, do you have an idea, like an idea of something else we might be able to notice about them to see if like, they're yeah. a good person. Yeah. You can't necessarily um, do like the waiter thing. Okay, so not the waiter, but do you want to say? You can take, I have to text back and see how they respond. What is it? Well, what did you say, Omri? She could take forever to text back and see how they respond. I mean, no, no. Don't, don't do, do that. that. Don't, don't do that. that. Don't do that. I think no. I think these are already getting into like games. I don't think that. you base something on how quickly someone responds because via text or anything of course you not, never yeah. know what's going on in their life 
Of course. We're also cell service. Of course. We're, yeah, we're, I don't believe in these games. No, no <laughs> games. And, and I, yeah. when I was saying testing, it's only after a long time of dating and you're really unsure if they're just really pulling off a great act. There are people that are like that. Yeah. So, um, but, but I think that there are many things that I mentioned. For instance, how do they talk of uh, institutions or leaders or people that they grew up with in the past? Are they grateful for them? Um, what are their... Co- how do you... Uh, you know, where, the so yeah, no. so so which school did you go to? You went to Hebrew school? Oh yeah, I did. Uh, did you like your school? Yeah, you know, but my teachers were all jerks and my the headmaster was a jerk and this one was a jerk and I never liked my friends and okay, wait a second. This is tell, telling me that he doesn't get doesn't get along with a lot of people. Okay. So uh, he had problems, he has issues. Okay, that's a that's a thing that I shouldn't definitely I wouldn't say it's a none of these things, by the way, are red flags straight away. Red flag, red flag, red flag. It just means that I need to take note of these issues and and hold them and, and look into them again and again. I need to really find out if this is really something. To so see if it's a behavioral thing. It's like exactly it's a, sorry. If it's a if it's a pattern, if, if it's a pattern, again. it's a behavior. Yeah, as a behavior, not just as one-off. I mean, it could be that they had bad experience in school and they can voice that, I mean, in a, in a nice way, I would say. But if it's, if it's a continuous thing, then you can learn something about the person, about the character. Yeah. I think that if they, talk of, um, if, they, if they talk of only cool people, you know, there's that language of um, only, only people that are in my circles. Oh, they're not cool. Oh, they're... I mean, she's overweight, so... You know, or kind of conversations like that, which are anyone who's not fitting into your uh, style gets a red mark. That means that they have outside of your circle, they have problems. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and I still think, obviously, that during this time, the pandemic time, it's obviously limited. Because it's not real life, it's not real time, and you can't, you're not able to see them out there with other people. So you're right in a sense, I think. That yes, you are right. Really, I mean, we are limited, but within the limits, there's a little bit that you could do. Um, yeah, but that's what I think. I think that this time it's just, it's a difficult time. You got to give up on love until we find a vaccine. <laughs> I mean, never give up, never give up, never give up. You start working on it from your first day you were born. (laughs) Love starts from within, right? Never give up. Yes. My question might be a a little bit off topic, but I think there's a thread that connects it. Um, You were saying about how looking at how people treat, how this person treats other people around you. And that's so important. I've noticed. Especially of no interest. People um, of no interest. Sorry. People have no interest. Yeah. Like, are they giving? Are they caring to, to others? Like, are they, how are they interacting with the waiter? Or do they help pick up something off the street if someone drops it? I guess, like, those type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've noticed with myself, like, it can be easy to, there's a lot of great guys out there that have a lot of wonderful qualities as themselves, right? Like, they can be successful and, and nice and attractive and all those things. But more importantly, I think, is how they treat you and how can you like I feel like a lot of guys these days don't know how to court a woman don't know how to like do that anymore and that that's been lost a little bit how do we how do women like kind of 
set a standard for men to be able to follow or like what how does that work i don't know shira's department or do we just hope that they already know it like like they've had enough experience or training or whatever just might be different from everyone else's so this is really a subjective question no i agree with her I mean, Wait, who, yeah. who said they agree? Wait, I can't hear. I, I don't. A lot of girls have said this. Okay, Rebecca. I, I feel like now, guys, because of like equality, um, guys have this idea, not everyone, but a lot of guys have this idea that, uh, you know, like they shouldn't like have to pay on a first date or they shouldn't have to like treat a woman with um, like a higher level of respect when they're trying to impress her. Um, when in reality, like those are things that like, it's still, um, good as a woman to feel like, um, like a man is pursuing you, like you're, like you're worthy of being pursued. I, I agree with you, Becca. And I also agree with you, Natasha. And I think that if that's the case, I mean, it's not good enough that someone is, has great qualities. I mean, we, we're looking at many different aspects of a character, you know, and it is important that they have that as well. Now, if you know that that person, for example, uh, is not from your, uh, I would say, how do you call it? Not society, but like your culture. Okay. So I believe, let's say different cultures have different norms and I can say it about ourselves. I was Israeli. He was English. We had complete different, uh, I would say, I had different expectations. I'm coming from a different culture. The English culture is extremely different than the Israeli. And it took me time, both of us, I think, to learn expectations and learn what's normal. Something that I thought was normal was not even on, uh, was not even on the radar. So there's a lot of things. So I feel like if it's someone that's from, not necessarily from your culture, you can maybe you know, kind of like give the benefit of the doubt that maybe they don't know and try to learn about their culture and maybe eventually talk about it. Uh, but I feel like if it's people that we're talking about, you know, living in our society and kind of should know what the norm is, I think that shouldn't be, uh, you know, a woman should be treated the way she should be treated. And it's not rocket science. And we're not, and we've spoken about it. It doesn't mean that the guy have to pay now uh, for every single date forever. That's not... But I just think these are these are the wrong guys. There are better guys than that. I wasn't. There. I'm just saying for you, for yeah, you Natasha so. and um, Becca. Right, we gotta stay hopeful. No, um, you just gotta you just gotta find different. These are the I know these guys. These are these are these um, far uh, ridiculous. And I'll say it straight up. It's it's these. They're not liberal. It's far left. This extreme left thinking. Um, and I'll say it straight out, it's these extreme left thing is different than liberal. Liberals are okay, but I'm talking about... I was about- actually not ta- thinking about money, though. Actually, when I was thinking about that, it was... And I, I'm not saying that that's like, that's a whole big yeah. topic of, you know, how dating... But I was thinking time, actually. Um, my mom would tell me growing up, she would say, if he doesn't occupy your time, somebody else will. And that was like a really great thing, um, I think to be told at a young age, right? Like, mm-hmm. meaning like if he doesn't show the right level of attention, the right level of intention also, oh, okay. then yeah, just there saying. will be someone else that will know how to treat you and know how to do exactly. that. And so she told me that like all the time, whenever I liked someone and, and whatever, exactly. um, he didn't treat me the way that I knew I deserved to be treated. That was what she would remind me. And I did experience that. And that's good to know. Like I, I think I kind of was on pause for five years, which was 
lucky in a sense. There's not, I don't feel jaded. Um, but um, I don't know nowadays. I, I think I've like had that again where I'm like, how do we get the type of treatment that we know we deserve as, as women or as people in general? I think men too, they, they deserve to be treated kindly and with the right intentions and maybe hinge and the dating apps and the society, like you're saying, it creates yeah. this, um, this, there's always something better. There's always another thing out there. Talk to a hundred people at once. And, and I'm not saying it's bad. And I know a lot of friends that have met their like husbands and, and wives from it, but I don't know. It puts us in a very challenging situation. Let's put it this way as a, as a generation, I feel like with all these apps and the way we have dating going nowadays in the general society, it is very challenging. And I feel like, and like you mentioned, a lot of people, I think, forget their roles and how, you know, the time and effort and attention and everything that they should be putting into a relationship. And I think um, it's not something, necess- it's not rocket science, it's, some- it's not something they need to be born with, but I think it's, a, it's education. So I if also, someone is willing to maybe learn, um, you know, Uh, take classes it sounds funny but people do that the same way you take classes about um i guess your profession um we also take classes about that you know how to treat people learn about women learn about men if someone is open about that that's great if they're not then i think it's it's a real problem it's just not the right guys (laughs) let's put it this way yeah it's just the wrong crowd it's just that's the even though you'll say that's the majority We get it. It's true. It could be. I don't know. But there are really good people out there. And that that would be the right fit. And that would have what you need. Put it this way. We meet great guys and we meet great girls. And we know for sure that they would not do that. I could tell you that. I'm not saying that you have to date anyone on this group. But I could tell you that every guy in this group will not do that. Right? So it's just they would not date a girl... Um, and, and make her pay or say quality. This is just... Or the, time, like or, she mentioned. Or time, or, right. We're, we're definitely... You have to just make sure you, you, you get acquainted with the right people. Uh, people that are involved. How involved are they in the Jewish community? Are they growing? Yeah, that's something I mean. Are they, are they just dating you because they are, they're not serious for dating? I mean, those are the types that will do these things. These yeah. are the wrong people. That's all. That's, that's it. That's, yeah, that's the answer. Yeah, if someone make the time to... You know, like I, you said, learn, be involved in some kind of education, whether it's directly dating or personal growth or character or something, you can trust that they're open to change. They're open to learn. They're open to these things. I could tell you that there's a lot of selfie girls out there. You know, the selfie girls all day long. They have selfies and selfies <laughs> and they're talking about their selfie. And they're bit, every time you see them, they're running they're around with a phone. They're very into themselves. You know, and they we Gucci have those bag. too. And there's no one to talk to. So there's, yep. the, there's problems from both sides. It's just, those are the wrong girls. Exactly. They're, they're like sorority exactly. and frat guys and sorority girls. Sorry if any of you are frat guys or sorority. For life, though. But for I life. I mean, it's not. I'll just say that. Well, for life. I'm talking about for life. We're not just talking about in college. We're, we're talking about when people are older and supposed to be more mature, hopefully. And like do serious things. I they're guess. not I serious. They're too cool for themselves. You know, like they're, they're too cool for anybody else. And, and they, they, they want to marry themselves, maybe. I don't know. Like, I don't know where else. <laughs> uh, if, uh, look, there yeah, are I, amazing... I feel like we're, yeah. Yes, Jordan. I feel like we're 
past the the point where someone could be okay with being treated poorly. I feel like by for the most part, by this point in our lives, if if a woman's being treated really poorly by a guy, she's gonna know it and then not want to be with him because it's not appealing. Same thing goes the other way around. Whereas, sure, there's the the 16 year olds who think they're in love with some older, mean high school guy who doesn't treat her well and she's always crying. But I feel like all of us are kind of aware enough that if the person you're with is making you feel shitty, then you get out of it. Yeah, it might. It may be like we said, the wrong Perfect. person, wrong relationship, you know, and and hopefully the right person will come up very soon after that. And and don't get me wrong, most uh, people today who are not necessarily in uh, in any way connected to a Jewish world are not. I believe are not like that. You know, uh, most people that are, do not have a uh, some kind of value system within them they're against values in general um they're not going to be respectful i'm not talking about jews only i'm talking about in just in general you see it that there's uh this they'll sense have problems with everyone they have problems with everyone you know they're entitled everything. this this whole mentality of entitlement give me everything give me free give me uh i deserve i you know I, you can sniff that personality out in seconds because i can and I hope that everyone here can too. Yeah, it could be that when it comes to time, you know, figuring out, like uh, Natasha said, it could take some time to figure out if the person is not really with it. But then, mm -hmm. then you got the problem. So you have to analyze and see, really, I don't think it's going anywhere. Are there any other thoughts? Anyone else want to answer to that? Or? What does it mean to be against values? Well, um, like somebody who says that everyone's just the same and there are no values and everyone's got their own truth and all these uh talks very general talks very general <laughs> so they don't give uh no one's no one's no one can teach me no one can no one can uh it's just like every there's no such thing as a hierarchy which yeah, is there's, there's no authority there's no authority there's no authority in the world which is a mistake of course there's a hierarchy we all if you strive to become better in your life, if you strive to be more successful, so then you believe that there is a hierarchy because that's what you're striving for. You're striving to be better than what you are. So there's some people that are more successful, there's some people that are less. But there's some people that have this idea that there should be no such a thing as any form of hierarchy. I'm not just talking about God, but in, in general, any institution, anything with any form, there, there are those that speak like that and it's unhealthy. Yeah, I mean, depending on your perspective and your thoughts on life, anything could be arbitrary and hierarchical systems of uh, hierarchical systems in society could be very harmful. But it's funny that you said that in, in a sort of way, having being against values is a value on its own. Think OK, that's that. what you think. <laughs> Definitely not my value. I just personally, I don't know. I don't know. If that is a value, then okay, that's your value. To have no values. That's, that's an interesting value. My value is zero. <laughs> is that a value? I don't know. That's not but anyway, it's, I see that it's 10.22. So, wow, we've been, go <laughs> we've been going for a while. <laughs> it's getting, it's getting um, heated. Yes. And uh, we will uh, conclude 
Bis nein. Are you sure?